Wisconsin has new legislative maps. For the second time in the state's history, Republicans and Democrats have come together to pass these maps, which will be in place for the November election. These are the first district maps in more than a decade that don't overwhelmingly favor Republicans. And according to John Johnson from Marquette Law School's Lubar Center, they will almost certainly lead to a more evenly divided legislature after the November election. Johnson joins Lake Effect's Joy Powers to talk about the new maps and what they'll mean for the Milwaukee area. This is a big conversation for us. Uh, We have the maps. The legislature and the governor were able to come to a consensus on the maps that'll be in place for the November election. It was interesting to see it play out. What was that process like? It was a surprise to me, you know, back when the court threw out these maps and they invited the legislature and the governor to try again to come up with maps that they could agree on. I, at the time, I thought, well, there's slim chance of that happening. But, you know, here we are. And, and, it, and it makes sense, as we've talked about, these maps are just a little bit better for Republicans than the other Democratic proposals before the court. And in thinking about it more, I think maybe one of the big reasons why Republicans ultimately decided to support Evers' map is that his, his map really does take the possibility of Democrats flipping the state Senate in November of this year off the table. Only half the seats are up uh, in November, but one of the other plans before the Supreme Court would have actually created enough competitive seats in that class of Senate districts, which will be elected in November of 2024, that Democrats would have had a chance at winning a majority of the state Senate. And that could have created a Democratic trifecta after the November elections, majority control of both chambers of the legislature and the governor's mansion, which... I think is the worst case outcome for Republicans. And so by moving to this compromise, they take that off the table. I think it was really unlikely that Democrats would have been that successful, even under that other plan I was talking about. But it was in the realm of possibility in a way that it isn't now. So in some ways, this map is mitigating some of that risk for Republicans. Yes. I was surprised that Democrats in the legislature voted against passing Evers' maps. What exactly was that about? I'm not sure. I was a little surprised by that, too. You know, if they had seen these maps two years ago during the initial redistricting cycle, I I think they would have been thrilled. Maybe they were just trying to preserve Governor Evers' veto power uh, because the Republican majority is so large right now, even a few defections from Democrats would create a supermajority that could override a veto. Maybe So maybe it was some kind of tactical thinking in that way. I'm not sure. It, it seems like some of this, both passing the maps with the likely outcome that Republicans will maintain power in the Senate, uh, voting against Evers' maps, the, the, the different ways that people have played politics with this, it does feel a bit like political theater. One of the statements that stood out to me especially was from uh, Robin Voss, who said, you know, even with these maps, we're still going to maintain power, which, I mean, statistically seems right, right? Like, even with these maps, it, it is likely that Republicans could remain in power. The most likely outcome under these maps is that whichever party wins a majority of the votes for state legislative races will actually win a majority of the seats. And that's true for Democrats and Republicans. And 
That hasn't been the case for quite a while in Wisconsin, but I think it's appropriate that both parties should feel that they can go out and win. And that is certainly true of Republicans. I mean, they have a lot of incumbents, people who are pretty popular with their constituents. And if they can go out and convince a majority of people to vote for them, as they have in the past, yeah, they'll almost certainly win a majority of the legislature. But the same is true for Democrats. Which is, a, I think, a welcome change for a lot of people. Now, is it possible that these maps won't be used in the November election? Are there any challenges that would prevent it or them from being used? These maps are now the law of the land. You know, they've been passed by the legislature, signed by the governor. They're on the books. They are the law. There are not currently any legal challenges to them that I'm aware of. Can't predict the future, but yeah. In the grand scheme of all the maps that were submitted, what do you think of the maps that were chosen? How do they measure up? They're similar to the other three Democratic-aligned plans. There's a way that they differ from the maps that the People's Map Commission drew uh, a couple years ago. That commission used competitiveness as a specific criteria. They were trying to draw a lot of competitive seats, and, and they succeeded in doing so. This map is not especially competitive in terms of the number of seats that either party could win. There are more competitive seats than the old map. There's a few more, but there's not a dramatic number. It's not a dramatic increase. Now, those seats which are competitive are much more consequential because they'll determine control of the legislature, not just be the icing on the cake on a sort of baked-in Republican majority. But I think it's accurate to say this map raises the floor for Democrats and lowers the ceiling for Republicans. But it's not a map that maximizes the number of seats that either party could win. Looking at some of these more consequential districts, we have a couple that are right here in the Milwaukee area. And I think anybody who is listening to this conversation, the, the first question they're going to have about these maps is, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for people in the Milwaukee area? Yeah. Shall we talk about the assembly first? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so most of the assembly seats in the city of Milwaukee don't change much or at all. Uh, and that was a deliberate choice to, to try to keep them consistent with what the Voting Rights Act requires for minority representation in state legislatures. But there is a pretty big change on the western edge of the city and those western suburbs in Milwaukee County reaching over into Brookfield. So before the last round of redistricting, Democrats had actually managed to flip two districts over there. Robin Vining and Sarah Rodriguez flipped a couple assembly seats that reached from Wauwatosa into Brookfield, I believe some of the western parts of the city of Milwaukee. Then Republicans redrew Robin Vining's seat to be a very safe Democratic and the seat that Sarah Rodriguez represented to be much more Republican. She then declined to run for re-election and became the lieutenant governor. But this map restores two Democratic-leaning seats on the western edge of Milwaukee. So there's a clear opportunity for Democrats to pick up a seat there. Uh, there are two pretty competitive districts in the Milwaukee metro, the 21st district, which covers a lot of Oak Creek. It's currently represented by Republican Jesse Rodriguez, but it moves to being uh, significantly more Democratic-leaning than it used to be. And then there's also a district that covers Greenfield and Greendale that 
tilts, I would say, a little bit Republican right now, but it's pretty competitive, and I expect both parties to contest it seriously. So those are the competitive seats in the Milwaukee Metro in the Assembly. In the state Senate, there are three competitive seats, one which leans Democratic, the 5th Senate District, which stretches through kind of West Dallas, um, Wauwatosa, over into Waukesha County, even towards the edge of Waukesha itself. That's a likely Democratic pickup. I think they'll be quite hopeful that they can win it. Of course, it, it won't be voted on until 2026 because it's an odd-numbered district. There is an even-numbered district, the 8th Senate District, which listeners might remember had a special election that wound up being pretty competitive, actually, although the Republican did win. Um, it'll be on the ballot again this November, and it stretches in its new configuration from Whitefish Bay up to Port Washington through Mequon and over to Menominee Falls. It leans a little bit Republican by some measures, but is, is going to be a real competitive seat, I suspect. Then in uh, the 2026 cycle, we'll see the 21st Senate District. The 21st District currently is suburban Racine, that area. It's changed quite significantly. Only 26% of its population is the same from the old version of that district to the new one. Now it stretches from Racine up through southern Milwaukee County and then even, even up into southwestern city of Milwaukee itself. Again, a little bit of a Republican lean, likely, but uh, the kind of area that Democrats have seen some improvement in recent cycles, and I expect them to contest fiercely in 2026. Depending on how things go across the map, that 21st district could actually decide majority control of the chamber in 2026. Now, when we're saying, you know, it leans Republican, it leans Democrat, I know that a lot of that is based on 2022 election results. What what qualifies something as leaning a certain way versus being safely Democratic, safely Republican? It's a judgment call, but for, for my purposes, I try to take whatever blend of election results I'm using, and I look at single-digit leans versus double-digit leans. So mm-hmm. if the Democratic or Republican chair was between 45% and 55%, I think, well, you know, that's more competitive. And if it's if it's a double digit, you know, a 10 point or more victory, I think, ah, that's pretty safe. You occasionally see swings of 10 points, but it's pretty uncommon if you go back and look through the last decade or so of state legislative races. Sure. So we're talking about areas that could be decided on a handful of voters in some cases. As, as with the state as a whole. <laughs> So uh, as you've mentioned, some of what we're talking about is going to be decided in 2026. But of course, the entire assembly is up for re-election this year. What is the likely outcome? How should we expect to see the assembly change as a result of these maps? There are a lot more pretty safe Democratic seats than there were previously. The biggest changes in the greater Madison area really south-central Wisconsin, stretching all the way down to Beloit. Under the old map, there were 11 safe Democratic seats in that area, 11 double-digit Democratic seats, now 16. And actually, none of those are particularly competitive. You took what were basically 11 safe Democratic seats and turned it into 16 pretty safe Democratic seats. 
Uh, there are other changes of, you know, one or two seats around the state. So the Racine-Kenosha area had three Democratic seats, now four. Milwaukee had 13, now 14, plus those two kind of competitive ones we talked about. Sheboygan moves from being split into two Republican districts into a single district covering the city of Sheboygan that's um, has a Democratic lean. Uh, Green Bay was one Democratic seat previously. It still has a strong Democratic seat, but two real competitive ones. Fox Valley adds another likely Democratic pickup. Eau Claire adds a seat that Democrats will be trying to win. Northwestern Wisconsin adds a Democratic district that stretches along the lake from Duluth all the way to Ashland. And there's some changes in the La Crosse area that could benefit Democrats as well. I think control of the assembly will likely come down to a set of districts that includes the 61st in Greendale and Greenfield, the 88th and 89th in the Green Bay area, the 85th district, which covers Wausau, uh, and in its new configuration is much more competitive for Democrats. And then possibly the 30th district, which is those suburbs that are in Wisconsin, but are really oriented towards the Twin Cities in uh, Minnesota, where we've seen some movement towards Democrats in recent cycles. So it seems likely that regardless of the individual elections, the assembly is likely to be at least more evenly divided. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Uh, it, it seems pretty much a given that Democrats are going to win at least somewhere in the mid-40s of seats, mid to lower 40s, you know, but uh, certainly more than they have now. All right. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us here on Lake Effect, sharing your work. Uh, this has been quite the journey. My pleasure. John Johnson is a research fellow at Marquette Law School's Lubar Center, and he spoke with Lake Effect's Joy Powers. At wuwm.com, you can find our ongoing coverage of redistricting in Wisconsin and check out our previous conversations with Johnson. If you have a question about Wisconsin elections, let us know by filling out our election survey at wuwm.com. What you tell us will help inform the stories you hear on Lake Effect and WUWM as we start our coverage on local elections.